0: Uh, This morning is a real treat uh, for us as a church family because we have some of our most, most precious friends with us here who are going to be sharing with us this morning. Uh, Jimmy and Gina have been in Sarah and I's life for um, probably five or six years now, and um, uh, there are, um, you know when God answers prayers, uh, and they are prayers that you've you've prayed for many, many years, and then all of a sudden, um, God opens up something and put something in your life you're like that is an answer to prayer jim and gina with that to to sarah and i you know um leading this church is beautiful we love our community but at times leading can feel a little bit like you're isolated and the and just having friends who are in the same boat doing similar things exploring the same great adventure of what it is to lead and build family and um so when we met jimmy and gina um they poured into us and gave us so much courage. And more than that, they modeled something to us um, in the way that they do life, in the way that they build family, both in terms of their own physical family, uh, but wider than that in terms of everything they're doing uh, to create an orphanless world. Um, And that is not just about a a base in Mexico or a base in Romania. It's about uh, the posture of God's heart to bring people back into relationship with him. And he trusts that to us to build family wherever we are in our streets, neighborhoods, families, workplaces, we get to love people and to bring them into family and so uh, they've modeled something so beautifully powerful to us and we love them to pieces and so we're not just partnered with the mission um, because they're a great organization we're partnered with them because they're friends uh, that God's given us and so I want us to receive them as friends can you do this for me can you stand and welcome them this morning
1: guys this morning? Hello? Oh, there you are. I recognize people, and that's always fun. That, And then I pause and I go, interpreter? But there isn't one there. Okay. So if either one of us, as we're speaking, we usually look to our right, because there's usually somebody right there speaking another language, um, just ignore that. We're practicing speaking one language this morning, although sometimes when Sarah and Luke speak, I need an interpreter because I can't, I'm like, what are you saying? Are you speaking English to me right now? Um, Yes, we're from the Mission, and we love the Smiths. We go on um, family vacations together, and we lovingly, lovingly call it the Schmorner vacations, the Smith Horner vacations. Um, We have tried to convince our children that they should marry each other, um, but they're not listening to us yet. But we are in constant intercession over that. Um, It's true. Yes. Um, I want to tell you guys a couple of testimonies before we jump in. And I think it's funny that you were talking about family and how we do family, because that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, it is our, our heart message. Um, Romania is going amazingly. When we bought that enormous building, the Lord told us that it was a really good idea because we could do what we did in Mexico that took 30 years, we could do it in five. And we're like, that would be really interesting. let's try that and the acceleration that's happening over there is pretty tremendous our kids that we bring into our program come from really horrendous uh, impoverished violent abusive situations and um, they go some of them go to our local public schools and their teachers have reached out to us and said we know who your kids are like oh Okay, I know who our kids are too. But they said, we know who your kids are because they're the huggers. And we have gotten, we've seen this shift in them where their first response to any altercation usually or was violence. Where they would beat each other up, they would beat us up. It was just always violent. And now they are known in our city as the huggers. Um, so they hug first, pray second, and then if that doesn't work, you're on your own. Um,
2: then they go back to their old ways. Yeah.
1: But it's really, really exciting, and we're super thankful for um, how much you guys have invested in that project over there with us, in the building of, of our Romania family. Um, Mexico is in the middle of... Oh, what's that? Something good. Like when good things are happening, and they're happening really fast, momentum. Um, With our junior high and high school, we had about 100 new students come in this year between the grades 7 and 12. And they are so in love with Jesus. They walk. We do family uh, devotions every morning. And that's all of our kids come together, and all of our staff comes together, and we worship and um, talk about Jesus for an hour. And they run to the stage. They're completely engaged in worship. They are healing each other. And you can just see heart transformation happening. And it usually takes at least six months for us to get to that point. And it took four days at the beginning of the school year. It's it's interesting. And we're just kind of looking at it going, huh, never seen this before. I wonder where this is going. So we're super excited about that too.
2: And hoping it's the new normal. Yes. We're going to jump in and we are going to talk about family. Um, I think it was probably about, oh shoot, probably about eight or nine years ago, a, uh, a group of friends actually came down that we, that or we became friends, we didn't know them, and they came and they wanted to start creating some uh, media and they actually made a video for us, a, a film about actually my brother, um, his life as he came into the orphanage when he was six years old and he was one of the very first boys in the orphanage and now he is our, our senior worship leader. And, um, and they came in and made a story about his life and, and the title of, of the film was called Orphanless Orphanage. And um, it was something that we had never called ourselves. It was something that someone called us before, and people had joked about beforehand. Uh, You guys will have Banning here next week. Banning came down the first time he came to the orphanage in Mexico, and he was walking through the campus with me, and he was like, do you guys even have any orphans here? Like, I just see really happy and healthy kids. I came to see the orphans. And, um, And we just said, no, we don't have orphans. We have family. And, and that this is the reality. And God started taking us on a journey from, from the idea of an orphanless orphanage to an orphanless planet. And um, it was something that has, was in our hearts. And, and both Gina and I had different um, dreams and encounters with God about where he started speaking to us about it. And it was something that, like... We projected way out in the future, like, hey, let's start talking about this and like, let's start planting bases around the world and like, let's make adoption a real thing. Um, but there was something in our hearts that was like, this is going to take generation after generation. Um, I had a dream one night that I woke up and, and, and God, I'm not going to tell you the dream for time, but God walked me through this dream where I woke up from it and realized I was in this massive family reunion and I saw in in that dream that there was in one generation the entire planet had become family. Mm-hmm. And God just like deposited this thing in our heart and started working on us that hey, you need to start getting bold in, fa- in the fact of saying like this isn't something that's going to happen way off in the distant future but God's heart is to see this fam this planet become family now. Mm -hmm. in one generation and so that's what we're fighting for Mm -hmm. and that's what we're seeing happen in kids lives that's what we're seeing happen in our church family part of the reason that we're so um connected to phil and sarah was because we came to vine life and we were like this feels like home Mm -hmm. and there's just there is just in the very like um fabric of this church it is family the dna of this church is family and so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what it looks like. And, um, and I, want to, I, I just want to preface this with, with the idea that we're going to talk about this conceptually and not really the nuts and bolts of it. Um, I, there's been a few times in our lives where we've heard messages that have, have gripped our hearts and our spirits. And, and we were like, we know that our spirits know that what was just communicated is truth. We have no idea how our brain can equate that that's actually going to happen. And so we're on a journey of going like, we believe that what God wants to do is take all of humanity and make it family now. We just don't know how to get there. And so we're going to talk about the concept of how we go from here to there. You guys good? Yeah. All right. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read there in one second. Let me just say this: that um, like we believe in cities saved and nations transformed. Like we're, we're longing for that, we can't wait for that. And um, there was this kind of this realization that as we had been saying that for years and, and we're so excited about the church getting outside of the four walls and, and actually engaging culture and, and getting into the marketplace and getting into government and, and and starting to really affect city. At the same time, as we were saying like, hey, we can't wait for a city to be saved and a nation transformed, we started realizing you can't actually declare a city saved filled with orphans and that actually meant like physically and meaning like children that don't have family and then people that don't know that they have a father from both angles and I started like like I'm going to say some stuff about the church and let me just like explain that I love the church deeply I was born into the church I have no memory not being part of the church Um, and yet I was born into a church that was that I was taught and raised that it was me and God and that was really the only thing that mattered. That was it was Jimmy and it was God, and I was to do everything with him and and for him and alone with him. And that it was like Jimmy plus God equaled a majority. And there was this individualism um, that was taught that actually pushed the idea of that I needed people out of the way. Are you guys okay? And I, what we're seeing is like we're on on the church around the world, we're seeing the church move from like an organization or an association back into family. And we're on this journey. And and even in our own ministry, in our own lives and in our own church, we continually like run into situations and things where we realize like, oh, we call it family, and we just ran into this situation relationally where we want to default back into this very business-like mindset or this very structured mindset that has, where there's a set of rules that, set, that dictate what we're going to do instead of, I'm just connected to you regardless of what's going on. And so, like, we very much believe in City, Save, Nation, Transform, but we don't think that's going to happen until the church actually reforms into a family. You guys all right? Go to Acts 2, because it's, it's actually the formation of the early church. And in Acts 2, it's, it's Peter is actually, it's just after Pentecost, and Holy Spirit has just come and messed 120 people up amazingly. And a huge crowd gathers outside, and Peter just preached the gospel for the very first time. And this is where we're jumping in, chapter 2, verse 40. And it says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation... And then those who gladly received his words were baptized in that day, and about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I just want to say that, like, that fear was not terror, that fear was awe. Like, I don't want to miss out on the goodness of God. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone in need anyone had need. And I'm gonna kind of skip over that part because none of us know what to do with that right now. 46 it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And I just I just want to talk about like the idea of family that you and I would actually engage in the body of Christ as family is a simple heart issue. Mm -hmm. Like, if you actually read verse 42 in in the NIV, it says that they were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to gathering together. That they were literally devoted to one another. And devoted just simply meant this. It meant that they were... um, I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. But they were dedicated, they were committed, they were faithful, and they were loyal. And the thing that really stood stood out to us about that was this, that all of those things is a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, they literally gathered together, and they simply got together and said, like, I choose you. And instantly, because of Jesus, they were made family. And this idea of family that sometimes we make really, really complicated boils down to choice. It boils down to whether or not I choose you and I choose to be connected to you and I choose to accept you and I choose to make you part of my life regardless of what you're doing, what you think, and how you behave.
1: Yeah, family is a choice in the same way that... um... You can't, like when I choose you as my family, that means my choice is not dependent upon whether or not you choose me back. It's not dependent upon whether your behavior says you're fun to be with, and I want to have Thanksgiving dinner with you. It, nothing that you do can change my choice once I choose you. And that is something that gets challenged regularly, because people are not fun. right? Sometimes. I mean, I'm not fun all the time. And what has kept us in covenant is, did he make a face when I said I'm not fun all the time? Well, if we're keeping lists, let me tell you. Um, but the covenant that we made to each other was a choice. And so when you choose family, that covenant also is a choice, but it is a choice that will get challenged. Sometimes we boil family down to biological um, relationship. That means I birthed you, so we are family. Uh, That doesn't make sense if you believe in adoption. It doesn't make sense if you believe that you are a son or daughter of God and that Jesus was the bridge. So the choice, when I reached out and I chose Jesus as my Savior, I became a part of the family. And so him reaching out to me is not dependent upon how good I am today. There's actually nothing that can separate me from him. Nothing I say, nothing I do, nothing I believe, no lifestyle choice will separate me from his choice of me. Now, how do we do that? in family. How do we do that here? How do we reach out and say, I choose you and I choose you forever and your choice of me does not matter. Your behavior does not matter. Your lifestyle does not matter. Your belief system does not matter. That's really, really challenging. And we're going to talk to you about some of our challenges in that because um, our family is It's strange looking um, because we have adopted and and spiritual and biological children. And when we reference our kids, we're referencing our kids as in the 500 of them that are in the mission.
2: I think it's important that, that if we're actually going to choose family, that you have to understand that he actually created you in a way that you need it. Like the reality that you need people. Like He actually designed you to need people in your life. Okay. I was when I was raised in a way that 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 it was just very individualistic, and it was like Jimmy, you can do anything with God, which is true, and yet God wanted to, God chooses to show up in the people around you. I remember um, Gina and I got married when we were 19, and and as soon as we got married, we started leading this uh, our, our youth center in Mexico, and it was just a wild adventure because we had no idea what we were doing and um we had we had uh, three different gangs three rival gangs that were coming and and um and it was it was crazy and it was wild and amazing all at the same time and and it grew and it got to this thing where we we felt like these kids won't go to church so we splant, we actually planted a youth church and um and we we were doing like a Sunday morning youth church and and um All at the same time, like, I had no value for people. I was very much taught that it was like, we need to get everybody saved. So I had value for people raising their hand and say they believed in Jesus, but I didn't necessarily have value for people in my life. And I got to this place where I was just, I was tired. I was tired of working in the ministry. I was tired of, um, like trying to do relationship and I didn't really believe in relationship. And, and, um, it just, it was, I was in a bad place. And I remember, like, we had this little tiny youth band, and, and they were playing some really bad old Mexican worship music, and, um, and I was sitting in the front row, and I was going to have to speak afterwards, and I was sitting there, and, and I was kind of off to the side, and I was looking at all these kids, and, and I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Like, all these kids are saved. Like, I should be done with them. And um, and I was sitting <laughs> And I was sitting there and I was doing it and I had this moment with God and he was like, Jimmy, you need them. And I just, my heart, my brain could not equate like that I needed them. And he just said, Jimmy, you can't fully love me without loving them. And I was okay with that because that meant I was in control. And then he just said this. He said, Jimmy, you can't fully be loved by me without them. Like I'm going to love you through people and you can't fully have me without having people in your life. And, like, everything started, it was a journey, but everything started turning around for me at that point. That we need people. Like, he actually shows up. I'm going to put it this way. Like, he actually reserves portions of himself in the people around you. We, um... We've been doing orphan care in Mexico for 30 years, and, and working in a foreign country um, where the judicial system is very, it's getting better every day, but it is very corrupt. And um, several years ago, actually, it was quite a while ago, um, we got into a situation with social services and the police. And we had kids that were wards of the states that made false accusations against my sister. Um, at the same time, we felt like we had a real mandate to, to um, like, combat corruption and in, in the in the city and in the judicial system and our the judicial system was actually built around bribery and so when accusations were made, it didn't matter if they were true, untrue, or whatever, everything started coming together, this corrupt system of you had to pay bribes and do this and do that, and it was just, it was how the country functioned. And, um, and the Lord had told us, like, to a year earlier, like, hey, you cannot participate in corruption in this country, in fact, you have to, like, stand and do the righteous thing. And so we, we all agreed to do that, and at the same time, it was my sister who stood up and said, like, I'm all for this, we're, we have to do things right." But she said, this will cost us at some point. It will cost us dearly. It was interesting that it was her that the accusations were made falsely against her and she was arrested and put into jail. And we went through a nine day process of um, that could have been a nine month process to get her out of jail. And, um, it was probably one of the most difficult things we'd ever been through. And, and she was arrested and taken. It was the middle of the night. And Gina and I showed up at the prison, um, in the middle of the night. And instantaneously, it was, um, it was workers of the court came outside and took us outside. And we're like, hey, for $5,000, this can all go away right now. And we just said, no, we, we can't do that. And, and we started down this journey and this process. And once we got into it, we began understanding, like, the ramifications of what we had chosen and, um, and the reality of, hey, this could be, like, ten days, this could be nine months, this could be up to nine years um, for these false accusations. And so we were, by the third day of it, we had been awake, I think, for three days at the, at the, at the courthouse and outside of the jail, and, and we had some staff come and say, like, you guys need to go home, you need to sleep. And, and so we went home and... We, and and, uh, and tried to sleep, and I couldn't. I went to our room, and I was running on a treadmill. I joked that I was running on the treadmill so I couldn't run away. And, um, and I was running on the treadmill, and I was praying, and I was going, God, like, like where are you? Like, where are you in this? Like, I, I, I need you to, like, show up and, like, break the chains off the doors. And, and this is what our expectation is. And, like, where are you in this moment? And he just came to me instantly. And he started bringing me person after person that had walked into the situation. um, And he said, hey, that that police detective, I showed up in him. Uh, That court reporter that made this comment that shifted the atmosphere in the room, I showed up in her. These people that called you from Africa that you've never met before. To pray with you over the phone, I showed up in them. And he started listing off people, and he said, and I'm going to keep showing up in these people until you see the breakthrough that you're pursuing. And I think it was, it was nine days later, and then she was broken free out of jail, and everything was saved. The reality was is that God was going like, hey, I'm going to show up and do the miraculous here. I'm going to do the miraculous in their life. I'm going to fulfill what you need, but I'm going to do it through the people around you. You need family.
1: And when family gets challenged, you get to come back to the fact that it's a choice, and you are strong enough to keep choosing it. Even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's being pushed really hard against you, you are strong enough to choose it because of who lives inside of you. Um, One of our girls came to uh, the orphanage when she was 10 years old, and, and she came with two sisters, and she was not happy about being there. And, um, but the situation that she came from was not fun either, but you're in an orphanage, and reality is that that's not a fun place to live, no matter what that orphanage looks like, no matter if it's family, because you've come from someplace, and reality is it sucks. And so she wanted nothing more than to get out of our our children's home. And so she chose to do everything in her power to try to get government and to get us to tell her that she could no longer be a part of the family. So she would do things like um, putting hair, you know, that hair removal stuff that... um Nair. Yes, into shampoo bottles of her caregivers so that when they would wash her hair, she it would fall out. Um, she would go outside I think and, that's
2: just a healthy practical joke myself.
1: She would go outside and she would collect ants, fire ants, Mexican fire ants, and she would put them in her caretaker's bed. She would um, find rats and snakes and put them in the closets. She would beat people up. I mean, she did everything to get us to say, you can no longer be a part of the family. And she's in her late 20s now and has been married for almost a year. And there was a point where she stopped trying to get kicked out and she started trying to test our yes. And so our yes to her was, I love you and I love you forever. And so what she would do is she would cuss me out cuss me out one side down the other. She would run away. She would be incredibly cruel to my children. Um, she would be cruel to anybody that met her because she was testing us. You say that you love me. You say that you're, I'm a part of the family, but what if I do this? And we continually reached out and pulled her in and hugged her kicking and screaming and punching, kept pulling her in, kept pulling her in. And then one day, she's a young adult, she's like 19 years old, maybe 20, and she came to me and she tells me, Gina, this is is what I've been doing for the last 12 years. And she laid it out. I intentionally tried to push you away, and I intentionally tried to make you choose, and I give up. I, I'm just going to accept the fact that I'm a part of your family, and um, we're stuck. I was like, good, because I'm so tired. I'm tired of trying to be nice to you. I haven't liked you for so long, and I would like to like you. I love you, but I don't really like you. You don't have to like your family. You have to love them. And so she, she told me her story and how she was trying to push this away. And then a f- about five years after that, she comes to us one day and she's like, hey, I'm moving to Montana. I was like, you're what? Oh, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. You guys have done this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm out. I'm like, okay, I love you. Uh, no, you don't. And so here she was again, pushing and testing and pushing and testing. She was... Um, in Mexico for the last few weeks, and she's been married for almost a year. And her testimony to everyone that came around her was, this is what love-tested looks like. This is what real family is. She's like, I tried my hardest to have them unadopt me, to return me to sender. But they kept saying yes. And now she's this powerful force to be reckoned with. She's not always fun. We still don't always like her, but I love her deeply and I would die for her. But that's what family is, and it will get challenged inside of you. I mean, you guys all come from families, so you know how challenging just your immediate family can be. But in order to see an orphanless world, We're going to have to reach out past this family that lives inside of my home or this family that I was born with. And we're going to have to reach across the aisle. We're going to have to reach across the street. And we're going to have to bring orphans home. And in order to do that, you're going to have to be dedicated to the fact that you're going to love them even when you don't like them. And you're going to have to be dedicated to the fact that you will do life with them. You will not only celebrate with them, you will mourn with them. You will go to Christmas dinner and you will also be there to clean up their mess with them. I love how Jesus demonstrated families sitting around a dinner table and he chose Judas to sit next to him and he chose Peter to sit next to him. Two of the messiest people in the Bible, one that betrayed him, one that denied him, but he kept choosing them. Like, that is the high example of what family is. It's not a matter of somebody applying for the position to be your sister, and they have to meet all of these requirements to be a part of you. You just have to say yes. And then when that yes gets challenged, you have to say yes again. And you have to say yes again. And you have to say yes again. And you have to go to your friend and you go, oh, I'm being so challenged right now. My kids are driving me nuts. I don't like them. Oh, but let me tell you why you love them. And let me remind me of how strong your yes is.
2: In Luke 22, when Jesus um, was, was beginning the Passover feast with the disciples, um, and he sat down, he, he explained it this way in verse 15, he said, and then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover meal with you. And there's just this, this, this idea in family, we kind of, in our immediate families, we know how to like push through the struggle. We understand that there's going to be conflict with our kids and in our marriages and those things. And we, we actually like push through it and we fight for family. And, but, and yet sometimes in the church world, we think that there's not, there's not going to be conflict here. We think that there isn't going to be relational difficulty. We think that there isn't going to be differences of belief in this room. And yet Jesus, when he gathered his disciples together, he was like, I have so been longing to have dinner with you. I've been so been longing to have this night with you. And then he confronts Judas, and then the disciples start arguing about who's the greatest. And then Peter starts arguing with Jesus about, I'll never deny you. And then Jesus is correcting, and then Jesus is giving direction. There's a lot of mess that's happening at that dinner table in the church. And there's something, about, there's something about us moving from an organization and structure and a list of rules about how we do life together and how we become family where we got to get okay with the idea of mess. And I really feel like the Lord was just saying, like, like, He's like, don't let the mess scare you away. I set the table for the mess. Because it's when we get together and we actually pull a seat up to the table and commit to one another that that mess can start to get cleaned up. You guys okay? And so we want to pray for two things because we've exceeded our time limit. Mm-hmm. We're going to pray for two different things, and one is just the fact that, that like we need our hearts to shift and we need to, to realize that we need people.
1: Mm-hmm. And we need the strength to deal with the mess. If you can read anything by Danny Silk, read it because he gives you tools and he gives you the way to do mess really well, the way to do family really well. What we want to get through today is that you have to choose it, and you have to embrace the crazy messiness that family is. Why don't you guys stand up? Why don't you put your hand on your heart? Jesus, we love you so much. And we see that your example for us of choosing the messiest people in the room and pulling them in as tightly as you can is our greatest example. So, Father, I just I give you permission to challenge that with us. I give you permission to show us where we've let go, where we've said, oh, you're a little too much for me. That Holy Spirit conviction we just we love it and we just give you permission to, to show up today and let us see if there's anybody around us that we've said ah the mess is a little too much for me I'm going to go on the other side I'm going to choose a different I'm going to choose a different family today
2: yeah Jesus we thank you that you have actually empowered us to create family
1: mm-hmm
2: like that, family was determined by choice. And we th- we thank you that you've empowered us as your sons and daughters to actually create family on the earth. And we just we receive that as a mandate of, of the church. We receive it as a mandate as sons and daughters to extend the boundaries of this family, to to grab hold of the people of this world that don't know that they have a father who love them. Would you guys do this? Would you actually just gr- actually bridge the aisles and grab the hand of the person next to you. I, um, I became a pastor so I could make people hold hands. People did it to me when I was a kid, and I was like, man, the first thing I do when I'm a pastor, I'm going to make them hold hands. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would, like, shift our mindset about how families created, that we're actually responsible for it. I pray that there would just be a weight that would actually sit on us to pull people into your family, pull people into this family. And God, I pray for courage. I, I pray that actually we would see mess in the family totally different. I think that I, I pray that. The same way that Jesus knew the dinner that he was walking into, that it was going to be chaotic and messy and arguing and, and differences of what people thought was great and not. And all of those things, it was just messy. And Jesus was like, I have been longing for this. And I set my heart upon it that we would have this dinner together. And I pray that you would do something in us that we would no longer be scared of the mess We wouldn't be scared of relational issues, that we would actually run to them and we would celebrate it. We would actually go, oh man, so good, the mess came out, here we go. And that the mess wouldn't scare us from the table. God, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you for, for pulling us in, for making us your children. And we pray that that would be the primary thing that we extend through our lives. We thank you for family, Jesus. And we we look forward in the very near future that we literally could call humanity one family. Yeah, we thank you for your love. Thank you for choosing us. Help us to choose the world around us. Amen. 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 We love you guys. And we're so... And so thankful here to be with you guys.
0: Amazing.